You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Nathan Stanish about a hallmate of his who competes at high-level yo-yo competitions, Logan Washburn about what's been happening in the city of Hillsdale lately, Coleman Rowan and Thomas McKenna about their investigative look into homelessness in the city, and finally Lauren and Logan will have a conversation about their opposing opinions on the new social media app, Be Real. This is Lauren, and I'm interviewing Nathan Stanish, a reporter at the Hillsdale Collegian. And he wrote an article this week about a freshman who has got a little bit of fame on TikTok because of a special talent that he has. So, Nathan, tell us about this talent. Yeah, so Gavin Hubner, uh, he's a guy on my hall, is actually one of the best yo-yoers in the United States. He's been competing since he was in fifth grade, and he recently placed fourth at the national competition for yo-yoers. This is like this is not something that he usually would tell people about, but we slowly picked up on from his roommate and such. And then we Googled him online and found like pictures of him doing yo-yo stuff and found like his results as a fourth place national finalist. And then when I pressed him on it, found out that he's actually spends like hours every day working on his yo-yo skills and has been doing so for the past like eight years. What are some cool tricks that he does or maybe some videos that have gotten the most views on his TikTok? Yeah, so for research purposes, my roommate and I downloaded TikTok, not something I would have done for any other reason, but we downloaded TikTok to take a look at his account. He's been on TikTok since about April and since then has gained 80,000 followers because what he does is he will do yo-yo tricks and sync it up to the beat of popular music. So he'll take something from like Alec Benjamin. That's a recent one he did. And then he will do his yo-yo tricks where he like flips the yo-yo from hand to hand, goes like around his leg or does like twisted like string formations all to the beat of the song. And sometimes he'll speed up the song to make it more interesting. And then usual, usually he'll like ask his followers to at the the musician in the comments in the hopes that they'll see it. And recently, Alec Benjamin did see it and gave him a shout out on his account. Has Gavin ever competed in any competitions for his yo-yo skills? Yep. So Gavin started yo-yoing in fifth grade. And he said actually the same year, he immediately started trying out different competitions. I was looking up the, the yo-yo competitions in the United States. And it's like they have five different categories that they call 1A, 2A, 3A, etc. that are focused on like different skills you can do in yo-yo. So like single hand skills or two hand skills or different techniques you use in yo-yo. And he competes in the 1A division, and that's where he placed fourth at the last national competition. He said originally when he started competing, he thought he was really great. Quickly found out that yo-yoers are actually intensely good at the sport. So it took a lot of time for him to continue to train. He actually did have like a coach and mentor who helped him work on his yo-yo skills as he continued to, to just build up more of his like finger dexterity and just the ability he had to incorporate new and creative tricks. He talks about how in yo-yoing especially, it originality is very important in the in the routines that you put on and the different elements that you have in your yo-yo routines. As far as the relationships that he has with other people at these yo-yo competitions, 
what is it like? Is there any animosity between them because they're all competing for first place? Or is there more of a comradeship with them? Well, according to Gavin, he's actually had a great time meeting new people and making new friends at a lot of these events. And even better, he did like growing up, he had several different famous yo-yoers who had like millions of followers that he really looked up to and he paid attention to in competitions. And as he reached like national competitions, competitions he actually got to meet a lot of those different yo-yoers and get to know them and even learn from them and that's actually how he got to working on his tiktok account he reached out to some of the friends that he made during competitions knowing that they were doing social media accounts and got their advice on how to build his own brand use keywords use hashtags and whatever else he could do to grow the tiktok account but he said it's been a great source of making new friends not just at the competitions either but even here at hillsdale it's a lot of fun to be able to show his friends different yo-yo tricks Does Gavin enjoy teaching people any yo-yo skills? For Gavin, actually, his greatest joy when it comes to yo-yoing is teaching people how to do it. He actually spent the entire summer working at a toy shop. And according to him, he spent all day like teaching tricks to the kids who had come in. And that was just the highlight of the summer for him was just seeing like the joy on the kids faces as they got to learn super cool tricks with their yo-yos that they could take home and show to their family. And if he could choose something to do with yo-yo, it would definitely be teaching other people and really spreading that joy. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Nathan. Absolutely. This is the Collegian Week in Review. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Logan Washburn, the city news editor of the Collegian. And this week he covered the results of the election that we had on Tuesday, midterm election. So Logan, tell me a little bit about what happened in Hillsdale after the election. Yeah, so it was a very eventful election in Hillsdale. The county clerk, Marnie Cass, said that um, there was an unusually high number of voters that turned out for this. Um, State Representative Andrew Fink won re-election to office, um, so he's going to represent um, our area. And former State Representative Joseph Bellino Jr. won the state Senate race, so he is also going to be going to the legislature for us. Um, So on the statewide scale, we had the Democrats take control of both houses of the legislature. Some races are still up in the air, but all of the predictions are saying that it's going to play out that way. So um, that's interesting on the state level, but on the local level, going back there, Mayor Stockford won re-election against his opponent, Rondi Butcher, by a very big margin. And we also had two Hillsdale College affiliated candidates win for their city council races. So um, Professor of Economics, Gary Wolfram, and alumnus Joshua Palladino both won their races against Cynthia Merritt and Penny Swan. What does this mean for Hillsdale going forward? So going forward, we're going to have a couple candidates on the city council that really care about um, financial things and also cultural things. Um, Gary Wolfram is very much into the um, financial side, the economics. He has a lot of experience um, working with Senate Republicans and under former Michigan Governor Engler um, as the deputy treasury secretary. I I believe it was deputy secretary. But anyways, he has a lot of experience there. And so during our Meet the Candidates forum, he was going into a lot of detail about his economic policies. So he's going to be a big um, contribution in that area. So Joshua Palladino rose to prominence in local politics this summer when there was a controversy over books in the Hillsdale Library. Um, There were some books containing racial and sexual themes that were labeled for children um, and young adults. They were kind of mixed together with um, 
children's books in displays. So he was very critical of that um, and essentially just wanted to create like an archive system so they could sort through books. Um, but with the national political scene, that was construed as um, book banning. And so he faced a lot of backlash for that. And so he has experience on the cultural side of things um, in Hillsdale. And I think that's something he's going to try to bring into his experience in office. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Logan. Thanks for having me. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Lauren, and I am interviewing Coleman Rowan and Thomas McKenna. They are both freelancers at the Collegian, and they co-wrote an article this week about the homelessness in Hillsdale. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about this problem and what you learned when writing this article? Well, Coleman and I interviewed some people who are homeless uh, at the warming center at Sozo Church downtown. We also interviewed the executive director of that warming center as well as the police chief and mayor, Adam Stockford. Now, what we found is basically that those law enforcement officers, as well as community leaders and city government officials, are struggling to address this problem of homelessness. What we also found is that there's quite a bit of disagreement among law enforcement officers and community leaders and many other people involved in this issue in what the problem actually is and how to address it. One of the things that stood out to us was that the police chief uh, for Hillsdale said that there had been an increase in the number of homeless people in the city and in the county recently. And he also said that there had been uptick in crime because of that, including shoplifting. While at the same time, the executive director of the warming center, Penny Myers, told us that she hadn't seen an increase in the number of homeless people in the area. So both finding what the story was and finding where the story conflicted between many sources was all part of the process of putting this piece together. Yep. Uh, just to add on to what Thomas said there, the one of the big points of disagreement between the specifically the police chief and the executive director of the warming center was that she, in her experience at least, uh, the warming center mostly had people from Hillsdale, like the Hillsdale County, Hillsdale City. Police chief, on the other hand, seemed, I, I don't remember the exact number he said, I think he might have said about half, though. Uh, he didn't want to give out numbers because he wasn't certain, um, but he said that those, about half probably, were from the outside of the county, um, some even with warrants for their arrest in different counties, which would be presumably a reason why they came here. Tell me about some of the specific interviews and how you were better able to understand the problem of homelessness in Hillsdale. One of the things that Police Chief Scott Hepner told us was that law enforcement is really restricted in what it's able to do about this problem. One of the things that he pointed out to us in the, is that in many of these situations, the police officers basically become social workers. And that's not something that they're always prepared or trained to do. Uh, and so when it comes to, for example, trying to remove somebody from a public area, that becomes difficult because of court rulings that say that you can't discriminate against somebody based on their status, and status can include being homeless. And so it's very hard then to remove somebody from a public park bench or just from a public park in general. So those are just w some of the examples of when it becomes difficult for law enforcement to try to alleviate this issue within the community. Right, and in addition to that, the mayor, I, I think Thomas already said this, but the, the mayor feels that it's not really the duty to solve homelessness, more of to, it's more the duty of the city to protect the community 
and help the community succeed. And so, you know, he wanted to start this task force that he had previously tried to do but didn't work because there were too many, I think he said, bureaucrats mm-hmm. involved in it with self-interest and more worried about the problem of homelessness and not specific homeless people. And so he wants to start another task force with more volunteers this time that would actually address the problem by helping these people, you know, rise out of homelessness, find an apartment, that kind of thing. And when we asked Mayor Stockford if he would ever consider putting public funding towards the warming center or if he would ever consider having the city government start something similar, maybe a homeless shelter, he said that that wasn't something that was in consideration. So Mayor Stockford clearly told us that he doesn't think it's the city government's duty to try to help alleviate this problem when it comes to like community services, for example. Yeah. And in addition to that, the executive director of the warming center said she didn't want the government funding Mm -hmm. because of all the red tape involved. And so that's actually a probably mutually beneficial relationship there. Uh, She runs off of private funding alone. So the mayor doesn't believe it's the government's job to help with the homelessness issue. Did he mention any organizations or places that should help with this issue? Yeah. So, I mean, he he mentioned that he had actually visited the warming center. I, I don't remember how long ago he said it was, but he talked to some homeless people there and um, he's he's very supportive of the warming center. He wants it to succeed. But I, it seems that he believes his contribution on behalf of the city would not be useful. It would probably be detrimental. I know there are some misconceptions about the warming center that were written about in this article. How were those or what were those misconceptions and also how are they disputed? Well, it might not be uh, totally clear whether these are misconceptions or not. Uh, One of the things that was mentioned in the article was the city council meeting at which we had a Hillsdale local resident say that he thought that local homeless shelters might be contributing to the homelessness issue. And as we mentioned earlier, there's disagreement between community leaders and law enforcement officials about whether or not uh, those local services are contributing to the issue by attracting homeless people from other counties or other areas into the city of Hillsdale. So there's this is certainly an issue of contention, and it's likely to keep coming up in the near future. Um, what we know is that community leaders, especially Miss Myers at the Warming Center, believes that these people that she's helping at the Warming Center, that they all have a connection to this local community and that it's our duty to help them. Well, Police Chief Scott Hepner said that he believed that that local service was spreading the word and attracting people from outside of the city. A good a good quote from the executive director of the Warming Center set is, whether you like it or not, they're here. It's just our responsibility to take care of them. That's how I see it. So she is not so concerned about whether or not her services are attracting people. And she also thinks that they're not. Um, all the people she knows, like I think I said earlier, are all from Hillsdale County. Uh, all the people at the Warming Center, at least. Um, all right. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This is Maddie, and I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Scott, as well as Logan Washburn, the City News Editor of The Collegian. And this week in the opinion section of the paper, they wrote side-by-side opinions about the new social media app, Be Real. So, Lauren, why don't you tell me what your argument was about in this piece? 
I argued that Be Real was a good form of social media, um, primarily because it is different from any other social media platform because you can only post once a day and at a specific time. Why don't you describe what Be Real is a little bit before we get started? So it is an app that notifies its users every single day at a different time to take a picture of what they're doing. And so the idea is that you post in that instance. And so you don't get to fix yourself up or go to like a cool event or whatever. And so it really shows like your authentic self rather than Instagram or Snapchat that pretty much just shows the highlight of someone's life. This kind of shows the everyday mundane activities. So, Logan, you're anti-B-Real. Tell me just sort of largely the premise of your argument. So, um, I actually disagree with what she was saying about it making people actually be more real. Because it allows the user to take it as many times as possible, or or as many times as they want. Um, It does display it to their followers, but if no one cares about that, then I think it can easily lose its effect. Um, I also think the fact that it sends you a notification and expects you to pick up your phone and take a picture where you are, um, it's just creepy. It's weird. Um, There's no reason that we should be obeying our phones when they're telling us what to do. It, It just doesn't seem right. What would you say to that, Lauren? Well, to the point he brought up about how you can retake a picture for as many times as you want, I actually mentioned that one of my favorite features of this app is that it It does let you retake the picture, but it also lets your friends know how many times you retake the picture. So I believe I said in the article, um, as any good app does, it exposes fake people. And so, yeah, maybe your be real is a flattering picture of yourself. But if you go and look and see that you retook it seven times, well, people can see that that's actually not real. Since people can see that like it might have been staged and it's not super authentic. Another thing um, that the app does is it does allow you to take the picture hours after the notification is sent. So I would argue to Logan that you do have that option. It's not like you have to take the picture. You are welcome to take it after the notification has been sent. It does notify the followers that uh, your picture was taken late and also kind of adding on to the real factor that maybe... They got the notification when they were laying in bed, but they knew that they were going to do something fun later that night. And so they waited to take the picture when they were doing something fun. So it kind of makes it seem like they have a fun life all the time. So I'd argue that that's actually being fake. So there are ways to be fake on the app, but it exposes that. So I actually I do acknowledge that it does let you take it later. But the thing is, if people don't care, then it it doesn't prevent them from being fake. And if the community overall gets into that, um, it can easily become an app that doesn't hold you accountable to being real. Um, There are no real restrictions on when you can take it. It tells you to take it at a certain time, but you can still wait um, until you're doing something fun. And so I think it's like pointless, but at the same time, it does demand that you follow its, um, its commands, which is just a strange thing. And I don't like the fact that people are able to do it so late when it claims to be catching you in the moment. Um, It seems to defeat the app's entire purpose. There could be something to say about 
maybe the fact that it's not even real at all if you're picking up your phone and taking a picture of it. Like the most real yes. thing to do is sort of just to live in a moment. And I say this as a user of Be Real. I feel like it would be more real to not like pick up your phone and take a picture. What do you have to say about that, Logan? No, honestly, I think that's a really good point. And I can't believe I didn't even think about that because, I mean, the title of my article is literally like, be real is more like be fake. Anything through your phone isn't real. Um, you can adapt it to try and be more realistic, but I don't think this does that well. Um, I think, again, creepy. It's weird how it asks you to take pictures. But ultimately, it can't be real if it's asking you to be in your phone all the time and going out of the real world. If you want a Be Real app, just put your phone down. I would say that it, it, it is a bit strange. And I agree, anytime you do pick up your phone to take a picture, like that in itself is not being real. However, my argument was that it's much more authentic and it's much more real than any other social media platform. So Instagram, Snapchat, most of the time those pictures are heavily edited. It's pictures that highlight the best moments of your life. You never post pictures laying in bed or, you know, doing homework. Um, whereas most of the B-reels I see, that's what people are doing. And so although, yeah, as soon as you pick up your phone and, and post on social media, to a certain extent, that moment is no longer real. However, I'm arguing it's, it's more authentic than the other options that we have for social media platforms. Well, thanks for talking today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. You have been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram and Twitter at hdalecollegian. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. (laughs) 